This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Today we've got a brilliant guest with us. We get to we get to visit with Dr. Josie Rondawa. Dr. Rondawa has been a chief medical officer. She's ran operations for behavioral health systems. Uh, she also does a lot of consulting. And we're going to talk today. We're going to focus today around leadership and leadership burnout and leadership challenges and a lot more. Dr. Rondawa, can you take a moment and and just first introduce yourself? And tell the audience a little bit about your background. You got it. My name is Jyoti Rendawa. I am born and raised in the Midwest. I am a child, adolescent, and general physician for the past 10 years. I've been working in the Illinois market as a psychiatrist, inpatient, outpatient, you name it. And over five, six years ago, I had the opportunity to also become a chief medical officer and learn more about leadership how to bring processes together, how to make systems run efficiently, handle personalities, and straddle the line between good clinical care and practice skills along with the business expectations from corporate. Thank you. And and we've got so many different things to talk about, Josie, Dr. Rondawa. Talk a little bit about, we're going to talk about leadership burnout why don't we take a moment first on what you see with leadership burnout, what you see with leadership guilt. Then I'd love to also talk to you about sort of shortages, the, the tremendous shortages we face, psychologists, mm-hmm. psychologists, psychiatrists, social mm-hmm. workers in the mental health area, and, and what a burgeoning challenge that is as well. Take a moment first, if you don't mind, on what you see with leadership burnout, leadership guilt, and, and those topics. Sure. You know, there's multiple aspects to this conversation and to your questions. If I can just try to break it down, in terms of leadership expectations, there's many studies that have been done in terms of what does a good leader entail? What are those skill sets? And how good leadership in terms of not only hospital administration, but clinical leaders, such as chief medical officers, directors of clinical services, clinical operations, The way they set the tone goes all the way down to the front line with your nurses, your therapists, in any hospital setting, and it yields good outcomes of how patients get the care and have good outcomes. So embodying these positive attributes is very key and important. In terms of leadership burnout, why does burnout occur? Burnout occurs when there's continuation of work nonstop 24-7 without pause, without a break, or grace to take care of yourself that can then extinguish your own self-reserve, being able to carry out all the expectations you have as a leader. Thank you. And and how do you attack some of this? How do we we fight off some of this when we've got these looming, daunting mismatches of people with challenges, with mental health challenges, and then providers take care of them, how do we either slow down the epidemic of challenges or pandemic of challenges of people with behavioral health, which I don't see changing, Mm -hmm. or how do we increase the number of people that can help take care of those people? How how do we do this? Because it seems like we're in a really horrendous virtuous cycle or or opposite of a virtuous cycle where you've got a growing population, growing health issues, and a flattening of the medical community and and not enough people to take care of the people that that we have that are aging and have have troubles. 
there's a long-term answer for it. And then there's a short-term answer for it. Long-term is we need more funding for physicians to be trained and to be able to practice medicine. And right now that's a government issue where we don't have enough allocation of residency spots to train them. So most of the psychiatrists at this point are starting to get towards a retirement age and they're starting to retire and there's not enough of a workforce to replace them. The second component is that there's, there's a greater focus not to try to quickly fill in the gaps. So there's a greater usage of nurse practitioners, physician assistants that are coming through, but they're not replacements. They're supposed to be supportive elements to physicians being able to provide care. And Scott, that it's not turning out the way people had expected. That quick fix is not yielding necessarily good outcomes for patients. Now, in terms of the shortage, you know, there's already a shortage of mental health providers, and then you add COVID. And with COVID, there was an overwhelming um, component of needing mental health providers here now to deal with the stress of COVID and how it impacted everyone. And now we're starting to become more aware that, you know, the resources that we didn't have are even more in dire straits than before. So all providers are being worked nonstop and the expectation is to keep working, but they're not giving, getting the proper rest in between for themselves. And that's a leadership and that's a corporate issue that can be addressed more readily. And we talk about it. It's in all the articles. I see it on the Becker's review that comes up all the time, but it's not executed. Nobody does it. We talk the talk, but people are not walking the walk with this. And it seems so hard, though, because everybody's faced the situation where censuses are full in all these places, hospitals, behavioral health facilities, every place, and there's just not enough staff. And so so it, it seems like either take on less patients, which nobody wants to do that, or figure out a way to at least take care of the caregivers we have so we don't lose more and more of them. But it really does seem like a daunting mismatch and challenge. 100%. 100%. You're right. On both ends, there's no win-win solution. We are overwhelmed with our need for providers, and then we don't have the staff to take care of them. And staff themselves are human. And sometimes we're not understanding what their needs are either. And when we go back for the past couple of years, when COVID hit, I can give you an example. Our facility still had everybody on site, and I had providers who left because they were scared. We never addressed the fear and how we were going to take care of our own. And when that component happened, we had many practitioners who left, nursing staff, same. And this is an, a national issue that occurred, that folks did not feel safe or being taken care of, didn't get the proper resources in order to do their job properly. And we were also in an era where the, the fear of the unknown was occurring, and that overwhelmed all mental health systems too. And I saw a report recently that nursing homes have been the hardest hit by staff resignations, hospitals, behavioral health facilities, not very far behind, and nursing was being hard hit has led to all kinds of troubles throughout the chain of patient care. So this means hospitals can't discharge nursing homes because there's, there's no, no spots, no space, mm -hmm. enough people, and so forth. I mean, it really is a, a continuum problem with that one piece it, it, it touches every other piece. I mean, every where there's wherever there's a problem, it has consequences for other places as well. You mentioned, of course, residency funding. And I think all of us that have any senses at all figure 
we, we just don't have enough doctors. Even before the pandemic, psychiatrists were so busy that they had largely moved out of, you know, many had moved so far away from really talking to patients to being, you know, see somebody else and then I'll prescribe for you because right. they're just overwhelmed as it is. And such a shortage of psychiatrists and, and other residents as well. It's just not enough residencies to go around. Um, and, and I don't, is there any sort of, uh, it doesn't seem like there's any sort of help on the horizon for that. Like there are some systems that are adding more residencies and self-funding and then trying to make up for it by billing for the services and so forth. But generally out of Washington, there's been some talk of adding a few thousand more residency spots. It seems like such a drop in the bucket compared to 330 million people that we have in our country. I agree with you. I agree with you. I know there's been talk of a bipartisanship uh, approach to adding more residency spots and having more funding for this. So, you know, that's helpful, but it's not going to be done soon enough. The need is now. And even when you get folks it, trained, it's down the road, not now. No, it's a five, 10 year solution at the very best. At the very best, if we hit everything right and, and produced a lot more doctors, we're still 10 years out. And, and doctors are only, as we know, more than we've ever known before. Doctors are just one piece of the problem. It's it's the doctors provide a portion of care. It's almost like going to the dentist today where the dentist sees you for three minutes and the and the allied health professionals do so much of it. And that's not right. necessarily the case with every physician especially, but it's a lot. It's a lot of doctors leveraging. And if you have more doctors, a lot of those doctors right. don't want to spend Are... an hour in a room with a patient. They just don't want to do it. And so it's nurses and allied health professionals who get a whole the whole system seems to be really in a challenging spot. You and I can talk about the philosophy of medicine and how it's changed. And it's not that physicians don't want to spend the time with the patients. We're not encouraged to do so anymore. We are driven by outside factors now to have shorter visits, be more circumspect with our privileges. So the psychiatrist who was taught how to do therapy and therapy is very beneficial. Now insurance won't cover it. We have to justify our billing. And then we have other entities such as CMS who are trying to cut down physician reimbursement. You have factors at play that are trying to dictate how medicine should be practiced. And that is what has occurred where physicians, and I'm not the only one, I think the AMA has done a good job of um, getting overall surveys regarding how physicians feel about the field of me medicine and shorter visits, higher volume, overseeing the other professionals underneath us, which includes physician assistants and nurse practitioners, we are spread so thin. And on top of that, add in the documentation component now. We chart longer than we actually see our patients. It's a No, and there's no wonder that, that, that physician happiness is down in the 40%, 48%. I saw one study today, but, but, and I was surprised it was that high actually, but you're absolutely right. And there's a whole bunch of factors that drive towards it. You know, a hundred percent. It's not, it's not just physicians choosing. They don't want to see patients. It's a huge number of different economic reasons. There's a huge number of other issues that drive it. And it's just pure exhaustion too. I mean, which is, you know, if you do 30 years of seeing 30 patients a day, that's just very hard for people to do. It's very hard not to get burnt out on that. So give us some good news, Jyothi. Talk to us, uh, Dr. Rondawa. Where are you most focused and excited about this year? What are your big priorities this year coming up? I will say that I'm, I'm an example of someone who has had to take a moment to reassess her values. 
what do I want out of my life? What do I want out of my profession? What I have to give to my patients? Because there's a reason why I got into medicine to begin with. And this is what fulfills me. So I think there's a concept of self-care, self-advocacy. And for me, that will be channeled by becoming my own boss, going into work for myself, and only signing up for positions that utilize my skill set where I'm actually doing good for the patient. I'm not dictated by all the mandates. So for me, sir, I'm going to be doing the private practice route this year. I will be consulting other entities on how to start up their own hospitals for mental health services, which is an area that I've done well with. And honestly, this year, I want to take care of myself just as much as I want to take care of my patients. So I'm going to practice what I say to others. But that's magnificent, isn't it? Isn't that that concept of self-care, self-improvement, being able to take care of oneself, put you in a spot where, where then you're able to do whatever fulfills you, whatever self-actualizes you, and hopefully that will include then taking care of other people as well. It's so needed, but, but you can't do that unless you've taken care of your own burnout, your own self. And I, and I think that's a wonderful, wonderful perspective and a, a, a wonderful way to take perspective of it and look at it. I think that's magnificent. Thank you. It takes a moment to get there. I've said it before, I need to take care of myself, but then there's factors or life that comes together and it pushes you to this realization. And not myself, but other, other peers of mine and colleagues who have made these transitions in this past year with this mass exodus are at the point that things occurred in our life to push us to say, what do we really need for ourselves? And gave us the opportunity to go for it now. That's a silver lining in my opinion. And, that, and, and I think that is, uh, is fantastic. Uh, Dr. Rondawa, I want to thank you for joining us in the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thank you so much for all you do and for how you approach things and how you look at things. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me.